Welcome to the Deeper You Go, the Weirder It Gets. I'm your host, Garrett Rennan. So I'm here with uh, Safa from Sacred Rebels, and we did a podcast last May, and so this is kind of a follow-up uh, podcast to that. And so um, Safa, first, um, why don't you give us a little overview of, of what you do with the, as far as the Sacred Rebels goes and your, your organization and stuff like that perfect yeah so my name is Safa and I'm one of the founders of Sacred Rebels Recovery we're a sister project uh, with Niwe Rao Centro Espiritual in the Peruvian Amazon and we're a peer-led recovery initiative specializing in ayahuasca assisted therapy for people seeking to overcome their problematic substance use so we do a lot of recovery focused work holistic recovery, uh, personal training, land-based healing in the form of permaculture and language learning. And we're basically just, yeah, a program that's collaborated with Niwe Rao and Maestro Ricardo Amaringo to help people uh, looking for a way out of their problematic substance use and um, problematic behaviors. That's awesome. So, um Last time I was here, I don't know if you guys were officially open or if you had any guests, but now now I'm here and you have two, three people here. So how's, how's that been as far as bringing people in? And um, yeah, like when did, the, when did the first guest arrive? Yeah, so we've been working on kind of putting this together and, you know, collaborating with other people in recovery and as with Ricardo as well. And um, yeah, it all just started out as kind of this idea and it's definitely turned out to be really productive and really helpful for the people who've been able to access the program. And we had our first uh, guest for this year come through about eight weeks ago and they found us actually through another podcast. So that was really cool. And yes, we're, we've got three people here at the same time. And lately it's been just like back-to-back guests looking for um, help with uh, their recovery. Mostly it's been substance use related, but there's been also like people wanting to access our program for other behavioral, you know, addictive type patterns and things that they're looking for help with. So it's been, been really cool to be able to offer that help outside of substance use related disorders. Mm, that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the questions I had was, um, what is like, what's an average stay or like a, a very general, if someone comes in, let's say they have um, substance abuse mm-hmm. issues and they want to come down here, what would be like a recommended program? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of to, you know, to each their own. Um, I'm really big on 12 weeks or 90 days. I think that people who give themselves that much time you know the long-term outcome is a little bit better they get a they get a chance to like really get deep into the recovery work and the way that we incorporate the ayahuasca work is we only really do two ceremonies per week with the people who come through for the program Mm -hmm. so it's not like you know most people who come here they're here drinking medicine four nights a week what we offer is people really learn about how to get the most out of their ayahuasca experience, how to incorporate that into the recovery work. And then 
we kind of let people get their feet wet in a few different recovery programs and self-help fellowships that are out there. Some people might choose 12-step recovery. Some people might choose recovery dharma. Some people might choose smart recovery. There's all these different um, ways of doing this. And so more time is generally better. Mm -hmm. 12 12 weeks is recommended, although some people opt for the six-week program. For some people, it's the financial commitment. For some people, it's you know time with maybe work or family life or whatever it might be. Six to twelve weeks is the average program time. Yeah. Uh, in some cases, we have made some exceptions for people. For instance, somebody who's not struggling with a substance use issue um, that's looking to come in and work on something behavioral, like maybe gambling addiction or sexual addiction, something along those lines. Um, we, you know, they've, they're like, well, I don't know if I really want to come for six weeks or 12 weeks. Is there any way we can do a shorter program? Maybe they have experience working with medicine or they have experience working with psychedelics. So we offer them a two week program. That's a little bit more intense. They do the four nights a week of ceremony in a traditional dieta in Mm -hmm. some cases. And we apply the same work style, you know, daily programming, recovery work, self-help work, guided, uh, workbooks actually, where there's questions and you know, reflection period and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what it is, is we kind of work towards helping people feel empowered and self-empowered to make decisions for themselves based on what they feel like is going to be the most helpful Mm -hmm. and then just support them in that process and then work with them with medicine. And yeah, it all kind of comes together. That's cool. Um, so what is like, do you have kind of like an ideal, type of client i mean you know i i don't know much about recovery uh as far as substance abuse goes but it seems like that could be a big spectrum of Mm -hmm. of people in in a part of a process to be to come clean i don't know if that's true but if there's it's a big process to yeah yeah for sure i think i mean right now the majority of the people that I've worked with over the last, you know, seven and a half years, eight years have been people struggling with opioid disorders. Um, fentanyl is, is a big thing, heroin, all, all of these different things, prescription pills. Um, so that seems to be uh, really common in the work that I've been doing. And um, for people to be able to access our program, like we require, you know, a two week period of abstinence from substances that's definitely preferred Mm -hmm. and more often um, medical detox you know especially for people these days who are using illicit drugs from the street because they're often contaminated with other substances like benzodiazepines and drugs that actually require a medical detox because withdrawal can actually be fatal in, in, Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases or in some cases and so I get asked all the time, like, you know, can I come there and detox or can I send my partner there or my husband or my boyfriend or my son there to detox? And we just tell them, you know, detoxing here really is an ideal climate wise. You know, it's hot, 90 percent humidity, you know, 35 degrees Celsius, which is like 95 or 100 Fahrenheit. It's really not the most comfortable place to be. And we're about 40 minutes away from the nearest hospital, too. Right. So we generally like people to show up, you know, have the acute withdrawal period kind of over Mm -hmm. um, just so that they don't have to go through that here. There have been a few cases where people have come through 
um, you know, and finish their use of stimulants the day before they came, maybe methamphetamine or Adderall or cocaine, for instance. And those are kind of where we're like, okay, we can make an exception and help somebody because the withdrawal period isn't as severe. And, um, yeah, the, the side effects of withdrawal aren't as bad. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we look for. And like I was sharing with you um, earlier before we started recording, like I say no to a lot more people than I say yes to. Yeah, We get calls all the time, emails all the time. Instagram has been a really helpful tool. A lot of people have um, put us out there and we've been featured in a couple other podcasts and magazine articles. So we get a lot of people interested. And, you know, I would say maybe like, 10% of the people that reach out to me, actually, I've actually been able, able to say yes to and make something work for them. Some people are in detox right now or doing a, doing a preliminary rehab, rehab program somewhere in Canada or North America and, you know, getting themselves a month or three months in the recovery kind of groove before mm-hmm. coming down here to get into this work because it is quite a bit different than conventional recovery and we're in the middle of the Amazon And it's pretty bare bones and rugged, as you know. It's like, you know, you're not coming to a swimming pool and air conditioning. It's quite the opposite. Right. Yeah. I always joke. It's like a one, it's like a resort here, but it's a one-star resort. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Everything's taken care of, but, you know, it's not not luxury, but it's it's nice. And it's got its own kind of charm. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and for people who, you know, for us, it's not like regular treatment where you just throw money at it, you know, and the problem, you know, people hope that the problem is going to be resolved. For us and, you know, myself especially is like, I really want to work with people who are ready Mm -hmm. and who understand to a degree what they're getting themselves into when it comes to working with medicine and people who are just ready to do whatever it takes you know when I went to treatment eight and a half years ago I went to like a holistic recovery center there was no psychedelics or anything like that it was like you know really basic you got a bed you got food you did 12-step work other recovery work Um, I had like a yoga teacher at the treatment center that I went to just by chance she also did like other shamanic type work drumming and different um different things along those lines, you know, and kind of more of the spiritual side. Mm -hmm. So that was really helpful for me. And I was just so done, you know, like when I, when I decided to go to treatment, I I had already been trying for 10 years to get one year of abstinence from alcohol and cocaine and drugs. And, you know, it was like, I knew in that moment when I got there, I was like, okay, this is it, you know, I'm done. Yeah. And then I was fortunate enough to work with psychedelics like after I left treatment and the counselor that I had was like, you know, I encourage you to do that if you're Mm -hmm. doing it for spiritual purposes. So yeah, I kind of incorporate a little bit of everything into the approach that we do. And then again, it's very much up to the person and we just kind of give them options to explore. And it's not uncommon actually for people to reach out to us who've already been through rehab before at some point and they've already They've got some experience, you know, like a lot of people are finding that the abstinence models don't work. The 12-step models don't work. Yeah. Conventional treatment doesn't work, you know, like the success rate is really, really low in a lot of those programs. And they're, they often come with medication, you know, uh, anti-anxiety meds or uh, prescription medications, medical assisted treatment for whatever 
substance use they might have, which is also totally okay. And often a lot of people, they don't want to be, they don't want to do any of that. You know, they want to get to the root of the problems. They want to work with the trauma. And so that's what this work really complements well is like helping people get to the root of their issues. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful. I mean, that's a way better approach than subbing one pill for another pill, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, um, what's the, um, feedback been like i mean i've seen a couple of the people since i've been back here running around and it seems like they're kind of rather enjoying themselves and they're getting their hands dirty and and building some garden beds and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and so have you know maybe it's hard to tell but do see people seem to be kind of enjoying this this process yeah i think so i mean i think you know a big part of it is like getting to be outside in nature and getting to experience life in a different way. You know, if you're in Canada right now and you're getting ready to go into treatment, it's winter time, you're inside, you know, you're not, you're not doing a whole lot. Right. You know, and here people get to come and they get to be a part of the project, plant trees like Zach, who's here right now, just completing his six week program. Amazing, amazing guy. One of the most, hardworking and successful people that I've seen in early recovery just like give it his all put in his best effort um and just really a hard worker and somebody who showed up ready to go and ready to do the work you know which is like kind of ideal and what we what we want and um yeah just just witnessing him and his process and the changes that he was able to make and the way he was so eager to participate in planting trees and Mm -hmm. working on the garden and you know, doing all of the different things that we do here on the farm. I think it adds just something a little bit extra to the, to the approach, you know, it's really meaningful and purposeful and it kind of gives you a chance to have some fun and do something constructive outside of just like the clinical book study kind of therapeutic practice type thing, which can be really dry sometimes, you know, even in the way that I do the work and the, and I work with people like some of the, some of the work and the recovery stuff, it's, it's quite, you know, it can be quite dry and it can be, it can be a lot, you know, so having a way to kind of take a break from that, have your feet in the sand literally Mm -hmm. and be like, you know, planting seeds and watering food and, you know, it's just, it's awesome. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, cause you, you're contributing to something bigger and something that's going to something that's constructive, that's going to help people with producing food and, and managing the land. And it's, it's a beautiful process. Um, speaking of that, how has the, um, like the farm and the permaculture project itself grown in, since the last time? Have you, have you guys made a lot of progress in that and are you producing a decent amount of food at this point or? Yeah, it's definitely going to be like a multi-year project for sure. Um, just cause I mean, that's how long some things take to produce. Right. Um, but we've already had several plantain harvests, banana mm. harvests. Um, we just revamped and redid the, the garden beds. Um, and the idea is to just kind of keep planting trees. We started this like agroforestry kind of trail through the back 20 acres that was never developed. And so we've cut a trail out through there and we've been planting different fruit trees, mangoes, uh, avocado, papaya, Mm. um, tapiriba, and these different kind of more obscure jungle fruits. Um, 
And yeah, the idea is to kind of just like keep expanding on that, keep building on that, have more local community involvement. Um, a lot of the Shipibo uh, family of Ricardo, like Miguel and Felacio, they have their, you know, their families and children and cousins and relatives. So there's been a lot of people interested in helping us work on that and contributing time and, you know, giving us instructions like where should we plant this food or where does this, what does this tree like best? Does it like full sun? Does it like shade? Does it like partial? Like, you know, so they've been really hands-on and like getting us set up and helping us get things going. I think the other issue is, is like the soil in this region's really not the greatest. Mm -hmm. So we moved away from, you know, kind of trying to plant other trees and other things that uh, or other plants and foods that don't really work and stick to a lot more regional foods, um, yucca, plantains, mango, papaya, avocado, anona, stuff that we know grows well in this area and yeah. in this type of soil. So that's that's been part of the kind of the learning curve. A lot of stuff that we originally planted or that we had dreamed of planting or wanting to have growing didn't really work out the best or has really low yield. So we're kind of looking at maximizing the space that we have and getting a lot more of what we do know grows and we do know will produce into the ground and make that the focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool though. Uh, I mean, those are some good, good trees. And I've always had a dream of wanting like avocado tree. I just <laughs> think that'd be amazing to <laughs> yeah. go outside and just harvest an avocado. Totally. Totally. Um, before we shift gears a little bit, cause I have some questions about, um, you know, the year long process and, um, you know, how, how your year long went and then some of the uh, integration, but before we move on to that, is there anything else you want to mention about like the, the sacred rebels, uh, project? Yeah, sure. I think one, one thing that I wanted to touch on was that, um, you know, something that's, that became really, really clear to me in working with ayahuasca specifically, in a recovery context is how to use the experiences to complement the recovery work in a really productive and practical way. Mm -hmm. And as you know, like in the dieta and the language of dieters, especially long-term dieters, we learn about all these different elements of the medicine world. And there's all these different things that are like part of the Shipibo cosmology that don't necessarily have a place in recovering from substance dependence. Right. So a big part of our approach has been like really keeping things really simple and about the recovery work and the people who come here to do the, do the recovery program, like the six week or the 12 week program, they don't do a, a master plant dieta at all actually. Mm -hmm. And, and Ricardo's actually agreed with this approach and this perspective that, you know, people who come here to recover from substance use or whatever they're, problematic behavior might be it's actually better that they nourish themselves yeah. they eat salt they have fruit they get to exercise and be in the sun and it's not restrictive because it just allows for just like a brighter field you know brighter more energetic field for the person you know they're charged up they're ambitious they're ready to go they have everything they need to have covered nutritionally and it just makes things a little bit more fun and so we really get to work on the recovery stuff and it's not so much about a lot of the other, you know, Maui Yoshins and, mm -hmm. you know, all of the different elements that kind of come in with the diets, you know? Yeah. And so that's something that I think is really important. And then also too, just that 
it's a peer-led program, you know, we're people in recovery, helping people who want to recover. And that that's really what it's all about and why we started it, you know. And a lot of the places that are out there that are offering like a four-day addiction retreat or a seven-day addiction retreat, it's really misleading and it makes me cringe, you know, because like somebody's not going to come out of, you know, a 14-year battle with opioids or, you know, a 10-year battle with alcohol and go to a seven-day ayahuasca retreat and right. be cured. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Maybe I should, you know, in very some cases, somebody could have that big shift and that was all it took. It's just really unlikely. Yeah. You know, so that's what we do and that's what we offer and that's really what we express the importance of is it's like not so much about the ayahuasca. It's about the community. It's about the work that's done and the way that the container's held for the best possible outcome for the long term for the person that's seeking our services and help yeah yeah Uh, that's that's a it's really beautiful and that's actually a a really good approach um because of how restrictive the diet can be and you know even in my own journey i'm learning that you know this this path of ayahuasca or the path of the the medicine world is not so much about the plants and the medicine it's it's about everything else Mm -hmm. as well too and finding a good balance um and that's going to lead into the next thing but before we get there uh yeah it's interesting that you talked about um certain places that have like four day or seven day recovery retreats you know i think that's one of the problems with some of the ideas around ayahuasca in general um you know one of the things that i've always been frustrated with that you know, I'm sure you've heard this back in the day when people would say like, oh, it's like 10 years of therapy in one night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know what people are saying when they say that, but I actually feel like that's a bad thing to say because totally. it's it's producing this expectation of like, oh, I'm going to go down to Peru or, or somewhere and I'm going to drink a cup of ayahuasca and all my problems are going to be solved. Yeah. And so... It's good. It's good for you to get this message out and and base your program around like, hey, this is this is a the ayahuasca is going to help. It's mm-hmm. a tool, but mm-hmm. it it's going to take time and it's going to take a bunch of other things. And whether you're in recovery or not, I mean, even if you just got physical trauma and you just want to do, you want to come down to an ayahuasca retreat. I think it's good for people to know that it's a step in a multi-mile journey that you know your problems are not going to be solved overnight totally totally yeah i agree yeah one of the things i I wanted to talk to you about was um your year-long journey and then uh the recovery after that and it's interesting because you know you had mentioned as part of your sacred rebels program that you want to make sure that people can eat salt and eat fruit and have a well-balanced diet and and feel strong and healthy while they're doing this. Uh, one of the questions I've been thinking about well, during my year and people have asked me and so I'll kind of set this question up a little bit where, um, you know, the, the year long diet is a very restrictive diet as far as restriction from everything, but some of the big things is food. And then in particular salt and mm-hmm. As I've learned and as you're aware of that salt, not having any salt for a year is actually not good for your body. I mean, it's it's unhealthy. 
Um, and so you, you lose muscle mass, you lose, your brain fires a little slower, your joints hurt, um, your digestion gets messed up. And, um, so you always start to wonder, and I know I've had these doubts of like, is this worth it? Is, uh, am I doing, um, damage to myself? And one of the things I've known, noticed since being back here is, a lot of the passengers, they're really curious about the, the year-long mm-hmm. diet process because they come down here and they have a very good experience in the Maloka and their plant diet. And, you know, this is, this is what got me down here is it opens up a whole new world of, of plants and, and it's, it's really cool and exciting. And so people are like, oh, I'm curious about knowing more. And then they find out, oh, well, there's people that are doing a year-long diet and they're training mm-hmm. to do this. And so they get really curious but then sometimes they look at some of these year-long dieters and they mm-hmm. see that they're very skinny, pale, frail, looking sick, and they're kind of like, oh, man, All right, should you guys be doing this? So that was kind of kind of set up, like, what, what is your thought on, um, like, well, what's, let me start here, like, what's special about a year mm-hmm. versus, because, um, you know, while there's no certification process or anything like that, it typically at least in, I don't know if it's Shipiba wide or not, but at least within Ricardo's thing, it's kind of like, if you want to serve medicine, mm-hmm. you should do a year. Now it's not necessary. I mean, some people will do three months, three months, three months. So what's your take on that? Is there something that separates the year versus doing, breaking it up into smaller mm-hmm. chunks? Yeah, you know, it's a really, it's a tricky question because, I mean, one of the things that influenced me to do a year was people that I was working with in the past, you know, I was under the impression that if you ever wanted to serve medicine or be able to be in that position, then a year-long dieta was kind of part of the requirement. Mm -hmm. And so in the back of my mind, you know, years before I ever even made it to Niwe Ra, I was like, wow, you know, especially after I did my first dieta, which was two weeks, I was like, wow, like doing a year would be amazing. Because the first, you know, couple short dietas that I did, I actually got so much out of them. Mm -hmm. You know, there was so much revealed to me. And I was such a skeptic, you know, I probably talked about it in the last time we did a show, like I drilled for oil for 12 years. I was a really big skeptic when I heard about master plant dietas and singing to the plants and talking to the plants and the plants teaching you Icaros and medicine songs and all this stuff. And I I was just like, this sounds like a bunch of hippie bullshit. You know, like that's where I was at. And at the same time, there was this curiosity and this desperation to overcome many of the things that I was struggling with. One of them was like chronic suicidal ideation I had a couple different chronic pain conditions due to injuries. You know, one of them was occipital neuralgia, which is like this nerve that runs along your back and into the back of my head and, you know, doing physical exercise, you know, too many chin-ups in a row, running up a flight of stairs too quick, could be anything, you know. Um, I would get these like electrical shocks in the back of my head and it would just kind of like, they'd collapse me and just I'd sit on the ground and wait until it passed and it was terrible. And so part of what I wanted to do out of the year-long diet was, you know, after having a conversation with Ricardo and doing about six months of shorter diets, you know, some two-week diets, one month kind of thing, Mm -hmm. taking time and breaks off in between, I was like, okay, I'm ready to do a year. You know, I want to do this and I'm committed and I'm ready. And, you know, part of it is there's definitely a prestige 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's a prestige in being able to be like, yeah, I completed a year-long dieta. And it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Hard hard isn't even a good word. Like, it's extremely challenging and difficult physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, it's a big responsibility and a really big commitment, you know. And I feel, I feel really fortunate. Um, I, had, I had Ricardo really supporting me. Um, really giving me like good guidance and good support and just the way that I set myself up here, you know, is like I had my own place essentially kind of a little bit tucked away from the center. Um, so I got a lot of time for myself and got to spend time with McKenna, my partner, who's also here with me doing a year mm-hmm. essentially at the same time. And, uh, you know, I think for other people, I mean, looking back, you know, in a lot of ways, physically, for the most part, I really kind of wish that I had done it in chunks. Like, I think, I think if I had done a six-month diet, you know, it's hard to say in retrospect what could have been and this. I'm glad and I'm grateful that I did the year, but in terms of like my physical health, oh, I compromised it for sure. Yeah, you know, I was I was just at a place where I was like you know, getting in shape again and going to the gym. And as you know, I built this little gym at the center. It's like probably the only like squat rack and Olympic (laughs) bar and plates anywhere in this part of the Amazon, you know? So it was like, I'd be walking by the gym every day for a year, like looking at this place that I don't get to use anymore. Right. And it's such a big part of, you know, maintaining my mental health Mm -hmm. that after the diet closed, I was like, oh, I can't wait, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it was like really humbling to, you know, come to the realization that like, holy shit, like it's going to take me a long time to recover from what I just did. Mm -hmm. You know, like the no salt, the the nutritional things. Um, And so, yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of in like the 12 week mark now of just getting back to the gym and getting back into regular exercise and like, it's been hard. It's like recovering from an injury, like yeah. a full body injury, you know, getting back to the gym after not for, you know, a year plus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that part's definitely hard. And, um, you know, I think there's other parts of doing a year that can be really challenging and also really detrimental. And one of those things is just like getting lost in like these stories and this dark part of the Shipibo tradition Mm -hmm. and like black magic and you know all this other stuff that's you know paranoia paranoia, you know and drama Mm -hmm. you know other other stuff going on and people and you know I've definitely it's happened for me you know like getting getting caught up in politics you know other things with other dieters and different things you know it's it's part of it in a way Mm -hmm. um and I kind of also have this way of looking at doing dietas in the future and what not to do, (laughs) you know, what, what to avoid and what to stay away from. And also really understand the importance of like not talking, you Mm. know, not talking to people, not getting involved in things that you don't need to, especially what I realized is like not talking about my dieta Mm. with other people. Cause here there's like this big thing around like, you know, people wanting to talk about their diets, you know, other people want, not, not just long-term dieters, but especially people who are here for two weeks. It's like, 
they want to talk about what their diet showed them. They want to talk about the diet and this and the diet and that. And, and I've heard Ricardo over and over say, you know, don't, don't tell anybody about anything about your diet for like even two months after your diet's been closed. Mm-hmm. You know, don't talk about it. Don't talk about what your diet showed you. Don't talk about what you learned. Don't, nothing with anybody, you know, because dis- you're disrespecting your diet. So there's a lot of like ideology around like if you eat salt or if you have sex or if you, you get angry or if you do this, you're disrespecting your diet. But it's simple as just like oversharing, talking th- about your diet when you shouldn't be talking about your diet at all. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be this, you know, I'm guilty of it. I did for sure because mm-hmm. I didn't know, you know, at the yeah. time, like there were my, especially some of my shorter diets where it was like, oh, yeah, like this I had this experience you want to share. You get excited in this, you know, and it's like actually more important and more valuable i think in terms of dieting to keep things you know relatively contained for yourself and for your process you know mm-hmm. and and at the same time to just go easy on yourself and not make things too complicated and not be too rigid and strict and you know it's kind of all about balance i've seen people do it both ways where some people have gone like really strict really isolated not talk to anybody and you know, in some cases done really well and in other cases it's been really bad for them actually. Yeah. You know, and they get stuck in all this like really dark, toxic, unhealthy thoughts and that they're being attacked or Mm -hmm. that this, you know, and it's just kind of like, what's the benefit of that? Yeah. And I think it's shies people away from like really working on their trauma. Like if you're, if you're going to dwell on the story that there's some like brujo or like black magic shaman in the middle of the jungle and you don't even know who he is, but the medicine showed you that this person is like attacking you, you know, you're not looking at the shit you should be looking at. You know, you're kind of like bypassing all that to like focus on this story and be attached to this fear and this narrative that like somebody somewhere is deliberately trying to harm you Mm -hmm. because they want your diet or whatever the story is, you know? And so I see people get derailed in that whole thing. Um, and I think in terms of dieting, it's really about learning about yourself yeah. and getting help from this plant spirit or this tree or this mm-hmm. flower or this bush or this leaf or whatever it is that you're prescribed and having it as an ally in your process of healing yeah. and helping you get, you know, to uncover some of what's been holding you back in your life. So if you're getting caught up in, you know, politics and stories and fear and all this other stuff it's kind of taking you out of what you're supposed to be doing which is like getting the help from your plant yeah yeah that's a that's good yeah that's kind of some of the realizations i've i've made as well too and in kind of understanding the um the importance of isolation but i see it as like like periods of like periods of isolation and then maybe periods of like not so much isolation because I feel like too much isolation can just like you said can throw you into a into a spiral but allowing time to marinate in in whether it's insights you got Mm -hmm. or the the big thing that I've kind of realized is allowing you to um discover your true self and your true potential and the only way to do that is to just kind of remove the noise Mm -hmm. and so um finding like yeah there's a benefit of just sitting in silence for a while you know um how long i don't know you know but i I think that i think you can do 
too much isolation and too much restriction to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, kind of, I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, just observations too, that I made with like other people. And I mean, I call them observations, but maybe it's judgments, but like, mm-hmm. you know, people who get so caught up in the like, Oh, let me check with my diet and I have to see what my diet says. And, you know, which is like, sure, it's good, but you know, sometimes I just found it to be a little bit much, you know, and then it's like, okay, well, like if everything is going to revolve around like what your diet thinks, says, and believes you should do, like, what are you going to do when you close your diet? Like who's steering the ship? Right. You know, and there becomes this whole thing of like, it's about the diet and the diet's this and the diet's that. And I think some people get lost in that and like kind of stop making the distinction between like what's actually their own conscious conscience and what actually is their own level of decision making and like a lot of people get caught up and lost in the fantasy of the dieta and it becomes like a little bit too much like a real life rpg or like you know dungeons and dragons or some type of like mystical fantasy kind of thing where there's you know i think like like going back to where i was saying like people get focusing on the darkness or people get focusing well you can do it in the other way too and get focused on yeah you know a lot of the other like shimmer and glimmer of like the dieta and looking for meaning and things that you know you may or may not be worth actually really pursuing once again like getting away from looking at the shadow or looking at your own darkness or looking you know so it goes both ways yeah it does and that's a really good point you know because i've i've talked to some people like like that and it's it's really fascinating and, and interesting to me because you know, I've seen people be like, yo, I've got to check in with my diet and then walk away. And then 10 minutes later and be like, okay, I got the answer. And it's like, like they just had their plan on speed dial and was able to you know, yeah. call them up and get this answer. And, um, that it makes me think a lot of different things. Like one, a lot of what you said where it seems to take away their own kind of free will. If, if, if that even, if we even do have such a thing, but their ability to kind of make their own decision and make their own choices but then also it's like well i don't seem to have a connection like that with my tree so then it spirals me into like maybe having some paranoid thinking of like well what am i doing wrong if i can't just phone up my tree and be like hey should i uh should i drink ayahuasca tonight or not or can i have an apple today or not right right and so um yeah i don't know I don't know what your thoughts are on that as far as um, wondering, like, how people seem to have this connection. Yeah, I mean, because it seems like it's real, but it's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, totally. Maybe we should pause it here. Just- All right, we're back. We had a little uh, change of location, so um trying to get back on track here, and I think I was just kind of we were talking about certain aspects of the diet and um i was i was talking about you know some people that seem to have this overly strong connection with their plant and they're able to check in with it at will and it seems to drive every decision and that brings up a lot of interesting thoughts for me because on one hand it's like it seems a little crazy and almost fantastical of like 
is this even real? Are you making this up? Not that I'm doubting anyone, but it, mm-hmm. um, but then also like it, it, it makes me second guess things because you're like, well, I don't, I don't have that ability to do that. Mm-hmm. At least not that I think I do, and so it makes me wonder: Am I not being a good dieter? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think definitely there's some people who really take it to an extreme, and it definitely seems to be, you know, like people coming from the Western world and Western traditions. And you know, there's been times where, you know, we've checked in with Ricardo about certain things, or you know, even people have kind of like, you know, expressed something to Ricardo, you know, that you know comes across or seems a little bit kind of out there, you know, and he just laughs. Mm-hmm. And he just laughs at it because, like, some people really take it to extremes, you know, and become so reliant and dependent on all, oh, like, the diet this and the diet that, and I need to check with my dad. And it's just, it's just kind of just like, okay, you know, like, how much of it is real and how much of it is just made up? Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it's just kind of, like, so out there and so ridiculous that it's just, it's, it's actually concerning, yeah, you know, and it's almost kind of like it's almost it's like unhealthy, and you're like, yeah. how 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 can that be beneficial? How can that you know how where is the benefit? And I think I've seen it, you know, doing the work that I do, and also just my own lived experience as somebody who has used certain things to escape or avoid feeling my emotions. I've definitely seen people take take the the dieta to an unhealthy extreme. And, you know, benefit from the weight loss in an unhealthy way or, you know, kind of chase these stories, Mm -hmm. you know, because they don't want to actually look at their own shit, you know. And so it's like, okay, is is the diet helpful or is the diet working or am I doing something that I shouldn't be doing? No, I don't think I am. Actually, I think I'm dieting really well. Yeah. You know, because when I do make a mistake or something does happen that comes up. You know, I'm able to acknowledge it and I'm able to address it. You know, if I make a mistake in my diet, it's not because like a brujo attacked me or because, you know, somebody stole my diet in the Maloka or I'm being attacked by one of the other dieters. No, it's because there's something in my life that I'm not willing to look at or I'm pushing to the side for my own selfish reasons. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, I'm able to have that degree and level of accountability in my life whereas like other people like they just don't you know they want to look for a reason to find that it's something that they're somebody's doing to them right you know this is i was having this conversation with someone the other day uh about this thing because this was something i noticed back when i was in the fitness world and i owned a gym and i almost call it like the next level of excuses because there's always you know excuses exist right but there's like different levels of an excuse i mean there could uh, the best excuse if you are going to have an excuse is just own it like hey i don't want to do that i don't want to work out i'd rather be lazy and overweight that's me that's who i am i own it nobody wants to do that though because if you do that then then anytime you realize you're unhealthy or whatever then you have to be like well this was on me Mm -hmm. So the best excuse I find is somebody else is to blame. Yeah. And, you know, COVID was a perfect example for this, particularly during, in the fitness industry, because, Mm -hmm. oh, man, I was going to go to the gym, Mm -hmm. but now it's closed. You know, I was just hitting my stride and I got all my gear and... 
went down to 24 hour fitness and there was a sign on the door that said closed due to pandemic and mm-hmm. dang, you know? And so like, and in a, in a lot of ways for some people, COVID was the best thing that ever happened to them mm-hmm. because they all of a sudden had could, now they have a rock solid excuse, even though it's not because like you do push ups, <laughs> yeah. you could run around the block. There's still, you know, and, and the people that really cared about their health found a way. But, um, I do find that some of that, you know, black magic talk is, is kind of that, oh, it's somebody else totally preventing me from achieving my truest potential because of whatever they did to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a real thing. I think it's a real thing people get caught up in, you know, and, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a healthy at all. Yeah. Well, you know, and that was the other thing I was going to say too, which is, it's good to have this talk because just like we were talking about the the 10 years of therapy in one night i think it's good to like put this out there to be like you know ayahuasca and even the dieting process is not always healthy in the sense that like you still have to be doing work you still have to be taking personal responsibility you still have to be doing these things it's not going to magically cure you and if done the wrong way, if you if you get too far sucked into that world, mm-hmm. it can actually be detrimental. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, getting into doing the dieta, you know, there's, there's, there's the healing aspect and there's certain things that you might come to the medicine world with or the world of ayahuasca with that you really want help around. You mm-hmm. know, it could be emotional wounds, different degrees and levels of trauma, physical illness, that there's actually plants that treat these illnesses. And then in conjunction with ayahuasca, you know, it's like drinking your Pinot Blanco for 12 days. You know, you're working with, you know, digestive issues or some other, you know, problems within your physiology. You're going to have a benefit because the plant that you're taking is actually a medicinal plant. Right. Then combined with receiving the songs and, you know, the restrictive diet and, you know, I guess in some ways intermittent fasting, you're going to have a benefit and a positive Mm -hmm. outcome. And then there's, there's people who come to it and, you know, it just becomes the story, you know, in the dieta and, oh, I'm dieting this and here's a picture of me with the plant that I'm dieting on Instagram and everything's about, you know, it's all, it just, it kind of, you know, that's part of, I think the psychedelic tourism piece Mm -hmm. that kind of takes away in some cases from the healing and from the benefit and from you know what it is people really come to do because it makes it kind of almost less personal and more about look at what I'm doing this is this and this and some you know so to to each their own you know Ricardo told me when I opened my year you know be really limited and careful like who you talk to about what you're dieting and you know all these different things and keep it keep it keep it close, you know, and, and for the most part I did people in my really close circle that I was doing the dieta with at the same time, my partner, a couple of other close friends, people were aware, you know, and, and in my experience, like working with the diets and, you know, I dieted many plants in the two years that I've been here, the ones that I got the most out of for sure were when I spent the least amount of time 
talking with anybody, mm. doing anything with anybody, you know. And I did a social dieta back home in Canada, and same thing. It was actually during the pandemic where it was like my social circle was already limited and then even more limited by the whole, you know, everything's closed and social distancing. So I actually got to go really deep in that diet at home, mm-hmm. you know, which was awesome. And then there were diets, you know, like my first diet when I got to Niue Rao, where I hadn't been around medicine people for such a long time and being in a place where like, oh, there isn't a bottle of hand sanitizer at every door and you have to wear a mask. You know, there's none of that here when I got here. Mm-hmm. And so it was like that first dieta that I did, I hung out with and talked to people every single day, you know, because I was starving for it. Right. You know, I missed that. I yeah. missed like getting to do that. So in in some ways it was really nourishing and actually I feel like that dieta in particular, that was part of the diet for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like filling myself up with like healthy social interactions with people and feeling comfortable and feeling safe and not like this whole are you vaccinated or unvaccinated or none of that mattered here. So, yeah, I think that's all, you know, part part of dieting. It's like it's really up to the person to decide for themselves. You know, Ricardo kind of gives you guidelines. You know, there's the traditional elements and, you know, the, you know, recommendations of, you know, isolation or relative isolation, not talking to people that I think should be taken seriously. And then same with like, you know, the dietary restrictions, not eating salt, not eating citrus, you know, depending on what you're dieting, you might not even be allowed to eat fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, for my year-long diet, and I'm sure for yours, like, mm-hmm. there's no apples, there's no bananas, there's no fruit, there's none of that, you know? So it's, like, fish, plantains, rice, gaina, or whatever type of chicken, you know, we're allowed to eat, and, um, yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, going to bring it back to um, the, the year-long diet again, um, you know, you mentioned that, like, the, some of the shorter-term diets were really powerful for you, and even for me and, you know, and being here, and you probably see, definitely see this more than me because you see passengers come in for 10 days or whatever it is or two weeks and they and they have pretty good experiences. It's like, um, would you do a year all over again? That's a really tough question. <laughs> That's a really tough I question. I mean, for me... It's a complicated one because I'm in a relationship with my partner, McKenna, who also lives here with me. Uh-huh. And we did our year-long diets together, you know, six months into just being in a new relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like there were a lot of really positive things that came out of that. And there were a lot of things that were really complicated, yeah. you know, especially around intimacy mm-hmm. and then getting out of the year-long diet and you know, experiencing fatigue and all of these other stresses. And I had a lot of really challenging personal stuff going on, you know, that, that kind of pulled me away from being able to like be in a, in a relationship, you know, and then we started to do, we opened another diet, this Oracion diet Mm -hmm. that I just actually closed. Um, that was supposed to be for another year. You know, and I was kind of just like, yeah, like, why do I need to, why do I have this feeling that I need to, like, do another big dieta that I just completed? And I justified it with, like, okay, well, on the Oracion diet, I can eat salt and I can have regular food and, you know, I can hit the gym and it's going to help me integrate my other, and there's all these, 
you know, these, all these things. And in some ways it was also like, you know, one of the things that I've really been working on overcoming over the years is just like my ability to have like healthy, intimate relationships, you know, and Mm -hmm. monogamous relationships and, you know, really be devoted to that and being in a partnership, you know? And, and so I really kind of took a closer look at it and I'm like, yeah, like, am I, am I doing this in part to like having to avoid being vulnerable Right. You know, am I doing this in part to like, you know, there, there are these little things even within myself that I, you know, being more aware of and paying closer attention to, which is like, I'm glad that we're getting to talk about this, you know, because it's an important part. It's mm-hmm. like me even acknowledging my own, my own, uh, you know, avoidance and aversion to, you know, difficult feelings and difficult emotions, even as something so simple as like uh, an intimate relationship with a partner. Right. You know, how much of this, how much of the diet is like, am I using to avoid having to just show up and like be what I'm supposed to be and be what I need to be, you know? And sure, there's all these spiritual benefits you get from the diet and this and that, but it's like, well, what about just like being a normal person, you know, and not having to like rely on the diet or go into the diet, you know? So it was one of the things that I was kind of like, yeah, you know what? I don't need to do this right now. You know, I'm going to pause it and I'm going to just like be in a relationship, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good call because you can't be intimate, right? On the, on the I mean, show. intimacy. I mean, I'm referring mostly to like sex, you know. To be honest, yeah. like, well, yeah, you know. But but it's like, yeah, a it's, it's a big part. Of, it's a big part of it. Yeah. It's a big part of it. And after like already going, you know, a whole year, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, we're kind of just like, okay, you know, we don't really need to do that, you know. And um, yeah, I'm really enjoying not dieting <laughs> right now. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. great. I don't, I don't, I can eat whatever I want basically. Um, and yeah, things have been great. Things are awesome. You know, I have my energy, I'm getting my strength back, working on achieving, you know, other goals. And the other thing about the diets, all of the diets, I mean, everything, you know, that led up to this and the work that we're doing here now, a lot of this came to us through dieting. You know, originally when I came here two years ago, I was like, okay, I know I want to be here for a while. I know I want to apprentice. I know that I want to do the, you know, the, the longer diets and my own personal healing and stuff. But at, at no point when I first got here, was it in my mind, like, I'm going to bring people here for addiction treatment. Right. That wasn't even on the radar. Right. You know, that was something in the back of my mind I always wanted to do. And I thought, okay, I might do this in Canada you know, with a therapist or a couple of other people involved and like work with people in recovery, you know, keep it really small and simple. And then it just kind of occurred to us at one point, we're like, hey, like, wouldn't it be a great idea to just bring people here, Mm -hmm. you know, and do it here? And, you know, Ricardo was like, yeah, it's a great idea. Let's do it. You know, and we're in like, I think that Zach is the ninth or 10th person, you know, that I have brought through the program. And then uh, Capri just got here and Milan just got here. And, you know, there's other people who plan to come in for the new year so it's like it's happening yeah. you know it's, it's a real thing like mm-hmm. people want to pay to come here and have some better support and better guidance from people with experience and get deeper into the work and make it more intentional you mm-hmm. know because a lot of the time you know the facilitation at Niwe Rao is always great and sometimes you know people come here and they don't have a whole lot of experience and you know there's been times where people come through and they're like, oh, I wish there was a counselor here. Or I wish there was somebody that I could talk to that could like really help me mm-hmm. with what I'm going through. And like, it's just not equipped for that because it's volunteers. 
Right. You know, so that's one thing that's been nice about, you know, McKenna and I being here and being here for a long time is, you know, we have more experience and we can refer people to other people when we don't have what they need to help them, you know, mm-hmm. um, like Marcus or Savita or Martina or some of the other, you know, founders and, you know, people who established Niway Rao with Ricardo in the beginning, you know, and point them in the right direction to um, other people who are better equipped to support them with what they have going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool to hear about your, your decision with the with the diet, um, you know, from just me being an outside observer and hearing that, it seems like that's the right decision of like, you know, everything seems to be like a good balance of like, you know, you diet for a while, but then you also need to like live life. Um, cause it's like, if you just dieted for, I mean, you'd probably, maybe you'd get a lot of insights, but then some, sometimes it's like, is that a life worth living? You know, I was, I was thinking about that with like isolation and restriction and the, and the balance of, of that, of mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like, yeah, isolation, very important for the diet, but if you isolated for five years of your prime years, I don't know, you know what I mean? It's kind of a, it's hard to know if like that's, at what point does that become, because just like you said with your experience of like talking to people, like that can be very beneficial. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've gotten, you know, I find, I feel like I have a good balance between isolation and, and talking to people. And usually the people I talk to are in the medicine space. So I can talk about, medicine type topics but for me it's interesting because I get a lot of insights sometimes from talking just having the opportunity to verbalize it with something and then I and then I go away from those conversations kind of go back to isolate let it marinate and I'm like wow I got a lot out of that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah I mean, you know just a couple more questions before we wrap it up um one of the ones this might be hard to answer but was was like the biggest takeaway you had from the year Hmm. the biggest takeaway that i had from the year honestly is like it's kind of there's a touch of tragedy to it to be honest with Hmm. you because i had like you know uh a few people in my life that were really important to me in the beginning of my medicine journey and um you know throughout the course of the dieta there were different things that kind of came up and things that I saw, you know, that I hadn't really been paying close enough attention to and kind of just came to the conclusion and decision that it was time for me to move away from those people. Mm. Um, Mostly just because, like, I felt like I wasn't really being supported in in what I wanted to do and I wasn't being seen and I wasn't being heard and I was actually being taken advantage of in some ways and, Mm. and there were things that were happening that weren't being addressed that just didn't really feel good to me anymore and you know, when I brought them forward to the person that I feel like I needed to show up and they didn't show up, I was kind of just like, wow, like, you know, that's shocking. Mm-hmm. And it's time for me to kind of just like step away from these people and, and you know, feel empowered and feel strong in my ability to do what I'm doing for myself and for other people and have the confidence and you know, turn to the people that I do have in my life that really believe in me and support me, you know, like Dr. Joe Tefer and um, Marcus Drassel and, you know, some of the other people in my life who've, you know, become really close friends and, you know, mentors in some cases. 
and ask them what they think and ask them for guidance and ask them, you know, you know, what, what do you think about this or how should I do this or what do you think about, you know, and get guidance and help in that way. And so that was one of the big things in, in the year that I got mm-hmm. was like really being able to feel strong in who I am yeah. and know that, you know, what I'm doing is coming from a good place and having trust and faith in my decision making and learning to really let go of anger you know, because like in that process of, you know, having some of these realizations and coming to the conclusion that like I wasn't able to trust certain people that I had really put all of my faith and all of my trust into, I was fucking pissed off. Yeah. You know, I was pissed off. Like I wanted to rain all kinds of fucking hell down, <laughs> you know, for real. You know, I was mad. Yeah. You know, and uh, I didn't, you know, and and it felt good to be able to just be like okay, I don't agree with what happened. And at the same time, look on the bright side and look at some of the people that I had in my life that I had to let go of and go, well, I'm grateful for them and I appreciate them because I got to get to this place mm-hmm. where I get to do this work for myself and others. I get to share this work with myself and others. And I get to bring people here and have Ricardo's blessing and have the blessing of many other people who believe in the work that I'm doing. And this was what I had always set out to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I also just got like to be more confident in myself. You know, yeah. it took me a long time to be able to sing Icaros in the Maloka, yeah. you know, and, and feel good about singing and, feel, and not be shy. And um, so that was awesome. Yeah. You know, like having having the the courage and the ability to like be in the Maloka and know, OK, like I'm singing this language that there's native speakers in the room singing and also listening to me sing, you know, and I don't have to feel like I'm being judged. And actually most of the, actually all of the times when I felt judged by other people, it's never been like I'm feeling judged by Ricardo because I'm not pronouncing something right. Or I didn't structurally, you know, put a suffix or a prefix where it was supposed to be in the line that I was singing. You know, it's mostly that I feel it from other students and other Western. So, for me to get to a place of like not giving a shit what anybody else thinks I mean for me that was like one of the biggest things I got out of the diet yeah like I'm me I'm confident in who I am I feel good about who I am and the work that I'm doing I believe in the work that I'm doing and I don't really give a shit what anybody thinks because I'm doing it in the right way I'm doing it you know with integrity and I'm doing it with the blessing of my teacher Ricardo Mm -hmm. so it's like I feel good about that yeah you know and I'm also really not afraid to ask for help Mm. you know and I'm also not afraid to be able to say I'm not qualified to do that I'm not qualified to answer that instead of having to spin up some bullshit answer to try to make myself sound like I know what I'm talking about when I don't know I'm just like I don't know let's talk to Ricardo or let's talk to somebody who might know because I don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that that was all a good part of it and then I had like this this occipital neuralgia and this pain in my back that like haunted me for like almost 10 years. You know, I think I mentioned it at the mm-hmm. beginning of the podcast, right. electrical shocks and Ricardo prescribed these trees to me that, you know, were going to help me with that and take away this problem that I had in my back. And right up until the 11th month, it was there and like sitting in the ceremony was hard. And then one day I just remember being like, wow, like I don't have this pain in my back. Like mm. it's gone and it's actually gone and it hasn't come back, you know, even with hitting the gym and working out and doing, you know, different things that I've been doing. 
so yeah, like getting to find relief from like these physical issues that I had that were really preventing me from living my best life and this kind of like, you know, always nagging pain in the background, right? And same with exercise and doing things that are, you know, for my physical health, you know, have, being, in, being in pain and having chronic pain all the time is just like, would bring me into a dark place mentally and make me depressed and make me feel like, oh, I can't, I can't do it, I give up. And, you know, I beat myself up. Why was I so stupid when I was in my addiction? And I didn't, you know, I didn't take care of my body. And so the diet actually healed these chronic pain conditions that I had and struggled with for a long time, you know, which was also no surprise to me because, you know, my first experience with ayahuasca was like recovering from um, you know, things to do with my gut health and being on a two-year wait list for colorectal surgery and after drinking ayahuasca like eight or ten times, you know, the, the specialist was like, what, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. You don't need surgery anymore, right? Mm. So ayahuasca has a profound ability to heal physical issues mm -hmm. in the body, which like when I first got into this work, n nothing indicated that that could be possible. You know, I just right. thought that this is a psychedelic, you have a, you know, psychedelic experience and that's kind of where it ends. So that, th those are the main things that I got out of the diet, you yeah. know, to really feel empowered, to really believe in myself, to not give up on myself, to not give up on others. And, you know, at the same time, know where to like draw the line, Yeah. you know, cause I've also always been really generous to a fault and been apologetic and been like, Oh, I don't want to like upset this person and I want this person to like me and all this stuff and all that just kind of was just like I'm confident and love myself I know who I am and what I'm doing and if somebody has a problem with me oh I'm sorry mm -hmm. that's their problem yeah you know so the diet the diet I think the long diet really gave me a chance to go deep into that yeah which for me was amazing yeah that's yeah. beautiful yeah I wonder yeah I mean maybe maybe that is the benefit of like a of a year or something just allowing you to you know that's kind of what i've thought my own thoughts on the on the year versus like shorter diets in with the goal of serving medicine of like it's such a long time that it just kind of breaks you down to your core mm -hmm. and you learn these lessons that maybe are not possible with shorter diets i don't know yeah I think time is a time is one of the best medicines there is. Yeah. You know, having the time is kind of part of it. You know, it's part of doing the year. I think Ricardo's longest diet was two and a half years. Wow. You know, two and a half years. And I think about like, you know, when I got to the six month mark, I begged Ricardo to close my diet. <laughs> I did. Yeah. You know, I was like, Ricardo, please, like I actually don't think I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna fuck this up. You know, I'm 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 not you know, my body's dying, you know, mm. and and he just laughed and was like you don't need to worry about that. You know, like I'm going to put your diets protected. You, you just need to do it. You need to have confidence in yourself. You need to believe in yourself. You need to ask your diet for help. You need to ask God for help, you know, all these things. And I was just like, okay, you know, so that's what I did. Yeah. And I powered through it and I'm glad, I'm glad that I did. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll ever do another year long diet. <laughs> You're right. You know, not a strict plant diet at least, you know, I think yeah. one, one month to three months is like, really plenty and if you diet well and you really make it intentional and you have the right support i think one to three months is like perfect yeah you know perfect if yeah. you if you want to be get more advanced and you want to give yourself a chance to really really go deep you know then look at a six month or a 12 month a 12 month diet and if you can do it here do it here mm -hmm. yeah 
that's that's my takeaway from it. You know, awesome. yeah. I think in the future I'm gonna be able to get a lot out of a one month diet. You know. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. I think that's um, all I have, um, but I appreciate it. Um, it was uh, good to follow up with you, and um, it's actually good to see. You know, one of the things I noticed when I when I saw you again was I could definitely notice that you got healthier looking. Like you looked like you put on some muscle, and um, which kind of gave me some some hope because <laughs> you know I'm feeling pretty down as far as just being the the physical depletion, and so it's kind of nice to to see you and, and hear your experience of kind of coming out of the diet and, and, you know, I mean, I know it's a good thing and it's going, and it's going to be good for me, but it's always nice to see someone kind of on the other side of it. Mm. So, um, yeah. Um, so there's a, there's an Instagram page, right? I can put a link to the, to that. And you have a website as well. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's just sacred rebels recovery. So sacred rebels recovery.com. And then at Sacred Rebels Recovery for okay. Instagram. And uh, my phone number's on there on both of those. And it's pretty informative. We've been trying to kind of like post more reels and more stories and answer questions for people when they reach out. And yeah, we're an open book. And even if you're not looking for rehab, you know, you might already be in recovery. You know, you maybe you used to have a problem with alcohol or you know, problem with cannabis or problem with any other substance or any other behavior. And we're always looking for other people who are interested in exploring ayahuasca in that way mm. and just being friends. Yeah. You know, it's like we're all equals. There's no clients or patients. You know, we're all peers. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of our approach and, you know, the therapeutic value of one person helping another and the direct lived experience piece is, I think, what makes us who we are yeah yeah awesome well thank you for your time yeah thank you all right yeah